0: Welcome to Cars Yeah! Show number 694. Today on Cars Yeah! We're celebrating the Classic Auto Show taking place today and this weekend in the Los Angeles Convention Center. You'll see all sorts of celebrities, classic cars, exhibitors, suppliers. It's a fantastic event. Check it out at theclassicautoshow.com. This is Cars Yeah! Mike Brewer. Hey, Mike, are you buckled up and ready for a fun ride?
1: I'm buckled up, ready. I'm gripping onto the steering wheel. My hand's on the shifter. So let's hit the gas.
0: All right, here we go. Mike Brewer is a well-known presenter of television motoring programs, not to mention a journalist, a producer, a campaigner, motoring enthusiast, and all-around family man. Not bad for a car dealer from South London. You'll recognize him from the Discovery Channel TV show Wheeler Dealer, where he and his buddy Ed find, buy, restore, and sell all kinds of fun old cars. Mike's been a presenter on numerous other shows and motorsports events. He owns Mike Brewer Motors, a dealership in Sheffield. He's earned many awards, including the Royal Television Society Best InVision Personality and Broadcast Journalist of the Year, two years running. And today you'll find Mike at the Classic Auto Show in Los Angeles at the Convention Center, along with many of my past guests from Cars Yeah here, including Mike Phillips, Wayne Carini, Chip Boos, Chris Jacobs, and Dave Indig. All right, Mike, I have told our listeners just a little bit about you. You are one busy guy. Please take a moment to share a little bit more about your career and your passion for automobiles.
1: Well, I didn't realize I did all those things until you just did it. <laughs> yep. Uh, yeah, I'm, um, I'm Mike Brewer. I'm from South London, very proud South Londoner and my passion for cars started from when I was a a child working down the uh, workshop with my dad. He was a a very respected and well-known car customizer back in the 70s and I would help him out during the summer holidays and and I got to know without knowing uh, a lot about cars through my dad. And it wasn't until I reached my uh, teenage years that I realized that you're not going to get very far with a girlfriend on a moped or a scooter. Uh, You need four wheels underneath you and a rear seat. Yes. So uh, I went and bought my first car. Uh, I, I fixed it up and uh, took some advice from my dad at, at what to do and how best to make the car look. And I fixed it up and uh, I managed to sell it for a profit. And from that moment on, I thought, well, this is better than working for a living. I think I can buy and sell cars. <laughs> uh, so so I started buying and selling cars. And that very quickly led me on to a, a, a great career as a, a very respected and very well-known car dealer in and around the London area. And uh, in 1997, television came knocking at my door almost 20 years ago now. It came knocking at my door to um, help them uh, make a show on Channel 4. It was called Deals on Wheels. I helped them. I assisted them. And then they asked me to present it. It went on to become the most successful show in their history at that point. Uh, and from then, I got headhunted by uh, many channels, including uh, more famously, discovery channel which is where i make the show uh wheeler dealers that was all the way back in 2003 so we've been making wheeler dealers now for this will be our 14th year the wow. so longest wow. running car repair show in the world
0: wow well you know congratulations i mean absolutely incredible from a little kid who just like to fix up cars and sell them you found the secret sauce to life that's for sure and as we continue on your journey, I always like to start by asking my guests for a success quote or a mantra, something that's been inspirational to you. It's a nice way to get those inspirational tires turning here on Cars, yeah? So, Mike, take the wheel.
1: Well, if somebody was going to give you a quote, somebody like me, a car dealer and a wheeler dealer, I'd probably say, work less, earn more. That would be a, a good mantra, good quote. Uh, but that's not me. Um, my mantra, my quotes, it's got nothing to do with cars. It's family
0: first. I love it. Well, I know you're a a family man. And as busy as you are, how do you incorporate making family first? I mean, you are everywhere. You're doing everything. How how do you do that? How do you balance that life out? I'm
1: one of life's genuine workaholics. I work uh, seven days a week. I work very, very long days. I run I do a lot more on Wheeler Dealers than people give me credit for. They see me as the car dealer on Wheeler Dealers and Ed is the one in the workshop that does all the work. But actually, I help produce, write, uh, self-direct segments. I do a lot of that program. There's a lot more than what you see on screen. I also do uh, a lot of the mechanics that you don't get to see on screen. Uh, So I've worked tirelessly hard at that and it swallowed my life, much to the detriment of time with my family. So I've missed my daughter's upbringing. I've missed, uh, I've missed parties. I've missed funerals. I've missed weddings uh, because I'm busy making this program. But, you know, that I have this passion and this enthusiasm for. For cars and for uh, for the craft of television and what I do on television, and that always wins, you know as much as i say, I send in my mantra family first, uh, that wins because it meant that I can give my family a great life, I can give my daughter a great education, I can give my wife a wonderful life uh, now all that hard work is now rewarding its fruits because now i can I can have my wife work with me because my daughter's gone off to uh, university. So my wife can work with me every day, and she does, and she supports me wholeheartedly. Uh, And because I'm such a busy man, I'm not only making TV shows; we've got uh, not one, but we've got several car dealerships in England, and uh, I have 150 staff. And to control those staff across those across that network, I spend my life like this, talking to you either on Skype or on the phone. I spend every waking moment uh, either thinking about my business, working on my business. Uh, I've always got my uh, my phone which I will have probably recharged it four times throughout a day while I was keeping abreast of everything that's happening in my my very busy life but you know it's all, it all it's all to an end you know this is all got there's a game plan and my game plan is to uh, to work work as hard as I possibly can so one day sit back relax and enjoy it, the comforts that life can bring we did actually measure me and my wife The retirement age of somebody in the United Kingdom is 65. It's 66 now, actually. It's just gone up a year. So, um, from the age of, from the age of 18 to 66, if you was to work a nine to five job, uh, five days a week, how many hours would you work? And then we worked out how many hours I would work and I would have retired 10 years ago.
0: (laughs) 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 You know, it's, uh, Here's the, the thing, though, I think, and what I know about you is when you love what you're doing, yeah, it's work, but you're so passionate about it, and it just yeah. fills your life. So, uh bravo, nice way to, to do that. Let's talk about what instigated your passion for cars. I know your dad was into customizing cars, and that's kind of got you started, but is there a pivotal moment when you look back when you really realized, oh, my gosh, I'm a car guy?
1: Uh, yeah, I mean, there's a couple of moments. The first one would be that Mini, my very first Mini when I bought that car. This, I, I don't know if you've ever driven a Mini, an original Mini.
0: Once, I have once, yes. Well, there
1: you go. So I, I would urge anyone listening out there, if you're going to drive anything in your life, make sure you drive an original Mini. Because that car was so connective and intuitive and informative when I drove it. It felt like it was an extension of me. It was like putting on a glove. They still do. They still feel like that. And I can remember that moment when I first got into a Mini and I drove it at speed around the corner and, and I just felt completely at ease of it. I just knew that me and this car had a great relationship and I genuinely think I'm a car whisperer. And so I started to talk to cars from that moment on. So that was, that was the first pivotal moment. I suppose the moment that I realized that. I was a good car dealer is when somebody gave me the chance to sell some cars from a car dealership. They asked me to fill in for somebody. And uh, in my very first day, I started on Thursday and uh, and by Friday I'd sold 11 cars. So I, I I I gathered at that moment when when my boss at the end of the week was peeling off dollar bills and giving me a stack of dollar bills for all these cars I sold, I realized at that moment I'm a good car dealer.
0: Uh, Yeah, I think so. Brilliant story. When I was in college, my roommate had a good friend with an original Mini Cooper. I was living in La Jolla, California, and he came over one day and I said, hey, take me for a ride. And we drove up this road that goes up to Mount Soledad where there's a beautiful cross up on the hill. It's a windy, steep road. He scared me to death. (laughs) And then he said, you want to drive it back? And I'm like, yeah. And, uh yeah, it was a brilliant little car, very fun. Well, Mike, what I want to do now is take a look at some of the many roads you've driven down. Oh, my gosh. Get our hands a little dirty, get under the hood, something you're not afraid of, and have you share a huge challenge, or even a big failure that you've run up across. But, of course, the most important part of these stories is what did it teach you so that you can move forward? Well, that's a really good question.
1: Uh, there's been many in the past, and uh, we could
0: be here for days, you know. <laughs>
1: Uh, But I suppose it was, I I wrote a television series called Wheeler Dealers Trading Up. And uh, I'm a very experienced global car dealer. I do know the car market very well. And uh, I went into this series thinking that I I could pull it off. You know, this is a series that I could pull off. Now, television programs work when uh, they work to to a level where you are given time and money to make a television show. So you've got a budget and you've got a schedule. And uh, when I wrote the show, I had no concept of just how tight both the budget and the schedule were going to become. And it come evident on the very first day of filming when I was dumped into Calcutta in India. I was given two thousand dollars and I was told to buy and sell free cars within two weeks before I leave India. And that's the show. That's the format of the show. So I'd be buying a car and trading my way up through India only ever spending $2,000. And to be immersed into that culture in India where nobody really spoke English, it was the hottest May on record, 100 and, uh, 120 degrees, 99% humidity. To be put into that culture where every single car you're looking at has the corner missing off of it, it has holes in every single bit of fabric, headliner, tyres look like they've come off a racing car. Uh the wheels are buckled when you're looking at those cars, and that's it that's it that's what you've got a choice of right. I realized I was in way over my head on what I was trying to achieve here. Because to buy a car, fix it up and sell it in that time, three times in, in two weeks was going to be an impossibility. But there's something inside me. I said, I've got this work, uh, work mentality. I stared across at my director, my producer and my cameraman. And as we all stood there and sort of held on to each other, soaking wet with sweat in shock, thinking this isn't going to work on day one. Yeah. I put my head down and I just got on with it. And, It culminated in me traveling around the world, making eight programs and never spending more than $2,000. I ended up buying a Porsche 911 convertible, which owed me $2,000. And that was through my tenacity and ambition to just keep trading the car that I originally bought in India.
0: Wow. Oh my goodness. Oh my goodness. I I can't even imagine that. Well, obviously the takeaway for me from that story is Persistence, tenacity, hard work. I mean, those are all the traits of any entrepreneur, of course. Yep. Holy cow. Oh, holy Calcutta. <laughs> yeah, that's one of, that's just one, that's one of many. Well, I always say if, if you have a lot of failures, you've tried a lot of things and that's a good thing. So, correct. In that case, it turned into a success story. So it's fantastic. Thanks for sharing that. Holy cow. Well, let's shift gears and go to the other end of the spectrum. I'd love for you to share what I call one of those career aha moments. It's when those Marshall lights come on and illuminate your way down a new path. Tell us about an aha moment that happened to you and how you turned that into a success.
1: Well, it was really, I mean, look, the success of Mike Brewer has always been communication you know i've just i'm a i'm a good communicator i'm doing it right now with you yes. and i've always been out to talk to people no matter you know i've made the king of england laugh his head off and uh, <laughs> and i remember that night going out onto the streets and buying a vagrant a sandwich you know on a who was sleeping homeless so i can talk to anyone and engage in conversation and it was communication and that ha ha moment uh really come from realizing that i had that skill i had that skill across uh, you know across uh, boundaries and it crossed genres and it crossed uh race and it crossed religion and it crossed all those things and i i could talk and communicate to anybody and uh, there, there's not one one moment that that happened but there's been plenty of times there's been plenty of moments where i've stood in front of an audience of thousands of people live on stage and i and i can make a pin drop and uh, and I go, aha, I did that. I can do that. I can control these people. They believe, you know, in me and my 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 story, my passion. And uh, there's been many of those. They happen frequently. But I can't put my finger on one. It's just that's my life. I, I'm always having a ha moment. You know, you have the gift of gab. Did you get that from one of your parents? I, do you know what? I'm the baby of six. My, my parents will tell you why I've got the gift of the gab. And my mum is a very honest lady. She's a real honest Londoner. And she says, I had six kids. And by the time you come along, I just weren't bothered. She said, so you had to, I had to fight my way to get noticed. I had to, I had to fight my way to, for the food. I had to fight my way for, you know, the, the sneakers. I had to fight my way to get my chance to watch Thunderbirds on the TV. I had to, I had, to, I was the little ball that had to be noticed in a room full of bigger people. And, and my mum says that's where it comes from. You know, you were always the one that, had to get noticed you know you had to get noticed because nobody would notice you because you were this tiny little yeah. you were a baby of six <laughs> i think that's where it comes from I'm from a large family
0: yeah yeah I, I kind of figured that might be where it came from well you've had many proud moments i'm sure i know you have because you've got some awards and things in your life but is there one proudest moment that stands out for you
1: uh, yeah, right now, actually, you know, there's lots, of course, you know, Wheeler Dealers running for 13 years is a very proud moment. But right now, Mike Brewer Motors, my dealerships in the UK, have just recently been voted the best dealership in the UK. And we've also separately been voted the best service centre in the UK. And when you think the United Kingdom is a huge place with 65 million people and uh, thousands of fatpond, thousands of car dealerships around the country in uh, four short years. Uh, using my my ethos, my tenacity, my passion, uh, we've managed to go from nothing to creating what has been now ranked as the best car dealership in the UK. And that has to be an amazing achievement.
0: Well, congratulations. That is an amazing achievement. And I'll tell you what that tells me, having known a lot of people who own car dealerships, it's excellent management. You've selected the right people And given them the leeway to do their job the right way and you've given them the direction. I love – there's a great book by Carl Sewell about customer service called Customers for Life. I don't know if you've ever read that book but uh, it talks a lot about that is hiring the right people, putting them in place and letting them do their their job. Uh,
1: And that that is part of the success of everything I've ever done. You know, There's a book uh, written by a guy called Felix Dennis around uh, Dennis Publishing. And uh, he uh, writes in his book that he wasn't the cleverest man in the world, but he created the world's biggest publishing empire. And his mantra was always employ people cleverer than yourself. And that's uh, that's what been my mantra. The team that worked for me are absolutely amazing. They are cleverer, more intelligent than I'd ever wish to be. And uh, and I put my faith and my trust and my name and my brand with those people and they deliver the results. And that's the success you know, that we're talking about.
0: Well, congratulations to you and your team. Absolutely brilliant. Now let's have a little bit of fun here. Let's go back in time. What was You've had so many cars. What was that first really special car for you? And maybe share a memory you have of that vehicle.
1: Well, it really has to be the Mini. You know, my small little beige Mini that I first started with. It was that car. It just meant so much to me. It meant freedom. It meant that I could... Could communicate with people in terms of I'd had four people in the car. And we'd go to the seaside for the day. It meant that I could express myself through my individuality by fixing the car up, changing the wheels, changing its, changing the car's personality to reflect me. And it just meant so many things to me that Mini. It, it became my life. You know, that car became my life. I did such a good job of caring for it and fixing it up and and making it a part of my life that I managed to sell it for double what I paid for it, which is where my car dealing
0: skills started really absolutely what year was that mini we have a funny
1: registration well it's simpler than the one in the states but uh it was at what they call a j reg so it would be 90 i think it's 1978 would be the mini okay yeah, so 1978 mini j reg it awesome. was a wonderful little car
0: yeah brilliant now is there a car you've owned that you've let go that you really wish you had back and let's take the monetary part out because we know what the collector car market's done i mean we all wish we'd kept that Old Porsche or Jaguar, maybe if we were lucky enough to have an old Ferrari. But is there one that you really wish you had back that just pulls on your heartstrings? Yeah. I uh, I don't know if you know, but I make this
1: popular television program called Wheeler Dealers. Yeah, I heard of that.
0: <laughs> I've fixed, fixed
1: up over 150 cars, and I cry each time one of them leaves my studio. <laughs> I, I, I want them back. I want them all back. And if you're listening out there and you've got my cars, bring them back to me. Uh, <laughs> Because I put my heart and soul into those cars. I want them back. Uh. I regret every single car I sell, every single car. If I was to put my finger on on one, uh, and it would be one, not personally, it would be one from the series. It would have to be the Mustang, the 1967 Fastback Mustang, uh i bought that car in california we took it back to england uh we finished the car in hunter green uh we did an amazing job of the car it looked gobsmacking at the end and and i can remember the emotive feeling that car gave me it tugged at every single fiber of my well-being it was it was guttural it was fast it was gorgeous from every angle it was uh, sensational to drive It was intuitive, informative. It spoke to me. And not only that, it spoke to everyone around it who was looking at you driving it. And I just remember that feeling in that car thinking, this is just heartbreaking to let it go. And it was. Still is.
0: Yeah, I had a 66 fastback. It was a GT350 Shelby Mustang clone, but it was an incredible clone. And I couldn't get gas in that car without spending 30 minutes at the gas station Everyone would walk over. Little kids, grandmas. Everyone had a Mustang story, and it was so much fun to drive. Yeah, it had the 289. It's just ah, awesome car.
1: Well, I've got. Uh, I went and bought the sister car. So immediately after the show, I was so heartbroken. I actually went and bought one personally. Uh, I did a frame-off nut and bolt restoration of the car, and it sits proudly in my dealership, actually in Sheffield, in England. And it's the same. You know, I I, I can't. Uh, you know, if I take that car out to an event. Uh, if I'm driving it down a road, people have pull me over just to talk about it. Yeah, I'm, it's an amazing car. Love it.
0: They're fantastic. Well, I want to talk about today and tomorrow. Congratulations again on another new season with Wheeler Dealer. And I understand the day this show goes live with my audience that you're going to be in Los Angeles at the Classic Auto Show, uh, which is fantastic. It's a new event, and people can go and see you this uh, weekend here, which will be fantastic. But what projects are you working on right now that have you really excited and fired up?
1: Well, I mean, let's talk about the classic auto show just for a second, because yes. uh, that show exists because of me and my wife, Michelle. Uh, we ca- came up with a format to uh, do the classic auto show in America. Uh, and together with my in- brilliant contact book, it, it includes Chip Foose, Dave Kendig, Wayne Carini, uh, Mike Phillips uh, uh, and Chris Jacobs. These are all my chums, and my buddies. Uh, it was very easy for me to pick up the phone to them and say, look, I'm going to do this car show. Do you want to come and do it with me? And um, they said, all said, yes, you know, they, they all said, yes. Yeah. So uh, for me and my wife to to find an events company, to to come up with the uh, with the idea and, and do that was just incredible. And we are so proud and we are so excited about being here at this show, because uh, this, this show it's like no other. Not only have you got all your Velocity TV stars under one roof so you can come and see us all, uh, but it's Los Angeles. It's January. The sun could be shining, but equally it could be cold. Uh, And this is a car show that's in a convention center. Most car shows in America are outside. This one is under a roof. Air conditioned building. So you're going to get to see the cars under spotlights. And that's going to make it exciting for people. You know, you know what you're going to get. You ain't at the, uh, you ain't going to fall foul of any elements out there. Rain, sleet, snow, sun. Uh, you're just going to turn up. You know what you're going to get. You're going to be in a big hall, big convention center. You're going to get, a, you're going to have a really good day. You're going to have a great time and you're going to get to meet us.
0: Absolutely. And I'll make sure on the show notes page here. And I'm promoting the show all this week leading up to the show to make sure that all my listeners know to get to Los Angeles to go to that show because it's it's brilliant. This is first year for that show. Are you hoping to bring it back again and again in the future?
1: Yeah, this is one of four shows that I've got planned for the United States. Uh, we're talking the next one to be more Florida, Miami based. Uh, then we're going to be looking at the Northeast. So, uh, you know, somewhere up in the Northeast. And then one over in the uh, northwest. So we'd like to okay. conquer all four corners of uh, the United States. But we're definitely talking. Uh, you know, we would definitely be bringing the the show back next year as well to Los Angeles. Uh, it, I currently work with a company on two other big live events in the UK. So there's a, we have a Wheeler Dealers live stage at a show in November, and also a restoration show that I do just next month. Uh, sorry, in March, uh, as well uh and these are two big arena events that i also do in the united kingdom and it's working with the same team so we've got a tried and tested formula we know it works we know what the public want the public want to be entertained they want to see great cars they want to meet great people and they want to remember they want to feel nostalgic uh and we've captured that market beautifully and i'm so excited Uh, i I can't wait for people to get down there and, and see what we've got to offer
0: uh yeah, absolutely. And I can't wait till you bring that show to the Pacific Northwest, where I live up here. Uh invite I'll invite all you guys over for dinner, we'll have some fun and mostly I'm sure we'll hang out in the garage is where we'll end up. So uh we'll be great. Now here's a very introspective question for you, Mike. I love asking this question because it brings out the deep personality thoughts from somebody. If you were a car, what kind of car would Mike be and why?
1: Yeah, okay. But that's a good question. I would I, I tend to think, okay, People think of me, because they see me on TV, as this kind of brutish uh, car dealer character. You know, I come in, I tell them what to do, get on with, you know, repairing the cars. I'm out there trying to negotiate with people and being quite hard with people about giving me the giving me the best deal. And then when I sell the car, I want to get the best. So I'm sort of a brutish kind of character. And so I would choose a, a, a brutish car, which would be, for me, it'd be an Aston Martin DB5. Mm. the reason i say that because of that lusty aston martin engine it's beautiful evocative lines but underneath all of that of an aston martin the car is an absolute gentleman and that's who i think i am i think i'm a gentleman and uh although i may have this brutish persona on television behind it all i'm a very nice gentleman i i would always hold the door open
0: for a lady Sir, you are a gentleman. So you've put some thought into that. I'm, I'm impressed. Very I nice. Think I'm <laughs> Very nice. Well, Mike, up next is the last lap. But before we put the pedal to the metal, let's say thank you to the Cars Yow sponsors. Driving never meant more as the all new driving adventure awaits you with a not for profit drive toward a cure. Combines two spirited drives for a weekend of cars and camaraderie in Paso Robles, California all to support finding a cure for Parkinson's disease in a showcase of ribbon roads in California of chrome and elegance coming up this April 28th. Enjoy some of the nicest cars, people, drives, wine tasting, and luxury receptions while driving towards a cure for Parkinson's. To register or donate, click on drivetowardacure.com or check out Cars yacht guest Deb Pollock's show notes page where there's links to drive toward a cure. Donate today, or better yet, go for the drive. Are you looking for a way to get your products or services into the ears of thousands of automotive enthusiasts around the globe? I can help. This is Mark Green here at Cars Yeah, and I'd be honored to be an influencer and ambassador for your brand in a unique and personal way. Five days a week, thousands of subscribers and listeners enjoy the Cars Yeah podcast and website. Contact me today and I'll show you how. At mark@carsia.com at or connect with me through the Carsia yeah! website at carsia.com. If you own collector cars and still have a little bit of money left over, congratulations—you're ahead of most people. But what should you do with the money you don't spend on cars? Talk to Chris Kimball, certified financial planner practitioner. For over 20 years, he's been helping people just like you and me with their financial planning and investments, and he's a car guy too. Call 253-722-PLAN. Or you can view his website at www.chrisvkimble.com. Make sure your investments are running on all eight cylinders, or 12, or 16. Securities through Money Concepts Capital Corp. Member Finra Sipic. Okay, Mike, we are back and we're entering the last lap. And I'm going to fire off a series of questions and ask you to give our listeners some very quick Blips of the throttle answers. So here we go. What's the best automotive advice you've ever
1: received? So the best car advice I've ever received is uh never buy a car with your heart. Only ever buy a car with your head. And it's advice that I impart every day to people.
0: Okay, the secret is how on earth do you do that?
1: <laughs> it's a tough one. You have to strip the emotion out of buying a car. You really do. When you're looking at a car Uh, it could be a red beautiful sports car your midlife Uh, you've got some money from your company you've just received the check and you're thinking I'm going to have a midlife crisis here I'm going to go and buy myself that nice red sports car I'm going to grow a ponytail have my belly button pierced maybe have a tattoo that's the perfect midlife crisis but what you have to do is you have to strip the emotion away and think does that car really work is it what i want is it what's going to make me happy and that's why you have to take the heart away and let the head rule on any car buying decision
0: you know amongst all my car buddies i'm known as the car doctor and whenever they're trying to buy that emotional car they always call me i always get a text that says is the doctor in and then my job is to talk them out of that car so uh their wives love me sometimes they don't like me but their <laughs> wives love me so uh Would you share one of your personal habits, and I think I know what this might be, that you believe has helped contribute to your success over the many years?
1: Yeah. Talking, communication, and uh, and most importantly, and this is an important thing, honesty. Just be honest. Just be honest to yourself. Be honest to your audience. Be honest to the people that you're dealing with and who you're communicating with because honesty shines through at the end of the day. It always does. It always wins. So uh, just honesty.
0: Absolutely. Now, how about a resource? I know besides a Wheeler Dealer television show and your dealerships, but is there a resource out there that you tap into that you'd like to share with our listeners?
1: Uh, yeah, well, I'm on uh, most social media, so you can find me on Twitter, at Mike Brewer. Uh, you can also find me on Facebook. If you was to type in Wheeler Dealer on Facebook, you'll see uh, the most popular site. I think is about a million people on there, so you can uh, click onto Wheeler Dealer's Uh, And that's my it's run by me. It's quite funny because uh, I get contacted every day by thousands of people around the world that say, I know I'm talking to one of Mike's team, and I hope that you can get this message through to Mike. I have no team. It's me. I do it. It's me. It's me on the end of Twitter. It's me on the end of Facebook. There's nobody else. It's just me. Uh, if you wanted to find some gossip about Wheeler Dealers, a really good resource to go to. Uh, and it's sort of backroom stuff. It's sort of the stuff that you don't get to see on screen. It's my wife, Mrs. M Brewer on uh, Twitter. She's always a really good resource. So you could always check in with her. Uh, we're on, fa- uh, what's the other one? Instagram, Mike yes. Brewer on Instagram. You can find me on there and, uh, Snapchat, Mike Brewer on Snapchat. So, um, yeah, I'm across all social media. I try to monitor it and, and keep it updated as much as I possibly can. But as you know, uh, you already know, Mark, that I'm an incredibly busy man. Yeah. But somewhere in between that busyness, I do find time to post up what I'm doing. And I do regular live video chats with my audience. Maybe once or twice a week I'll do this and I'll engage with people and uh, and uh, keeping contact with them. And that, that's part of my success, you know, doing that and keeping the, keeping abreast of it.
0: Communication, boy, is that the key. Now, if you could have a drink with anyone in the automotive field, living or deceased, who would that be?
1: Well, most people are going to probably say uh, Henry Ford. That's what most people would say because he was a visionary genius and he was amazing, Henry Ford. But actually, my uh, my person is living. He's not deceased. He's living. And he is a true car guy. If you was to cut him in half, parts would fall out of him, oil and gasoline. He is an absolute car guy. He's a car philanthropist. He is the coolest guy you've ever met in your life. He is my stepdad. I'd like to refer to him as my stepdad. He's not really, uh, but I'd like to ha- obviously inherit the family fortune. And his name is Bruce Meyer. Oh, yeah, I've got Bruce uh, as the grand marshal of my show next week in, uh, in this week. Sorry in Los Angeles. Uh, Bruce is the grand marshal and uh, Bruce to just be around him to share time with him uh, and to listen to his car stories is fantastic.
0: Yes, uh, I've known Bruce for many, many years. He was a uh, guest on my show uh, maybe over a year ago here. And yeah, I love the way you described him. If you cut him open, nuts and bolts of fallout and motor oil and everything. So you pegged him just right. Fantastic that he's going to be at your event as well. He's at every event, it seems like. Now, how about a book? You mentioned that book earlier, but is there one book you could recommend to the Karja yeah audience? Yes, I could.
1: I've, as you can see, my library behind me. I've yes.
0: The listeners can't see this, but I I can see it. I can see it. It's awesome. Yeah. I'm sitting
1: sitting in my office. This is my library behind me. It goes on and on and on. Yep. Uh, There's one book on here that I absolutely love. I'm trying to find it. Uh, It's my book.
0: Ah, awesome.
1: What's the title? It's The Wheeler Dealer Know-How. There you go. So it's me telling you everything I know about cars. And uh, I wrote it down, and I thought, I'm going to turn this into a book. And it's everything I know about cars with my tips information uh, is incredibly informative it's quite funny as well in places so um that that will be in a
0: book awesome book well listeners you can find links to all these incredible things mike has been so kind to share on his very own show notes page at dot com slash mike brewer get your hands on that book i think it's going to be a fun one all right mike we are up to the checkered flag and this last question could be a real doozy if you could have only one i'm sorry i said just one very cool collector car in your garage. But money's no object because today I'm going to write the check. I'll buy you anything you'd like. It's going to be a fat check. Okay, I kind of figured that. What would that car be and why? It's going to be a 1929 Bentley Blower. Oh, okay. Uh, yeah, that's a special one. And you're the first one to pick... Uh, 29 bentley blower what is it about that car that's a very distinct unique vehicle obviously british of course but in bentley is the true car guy of the uk car so
1: it's, it's got a lot of reasons okay so number one is you remember what i said about being a gentleman yes this car is an absolute this is a car that you tip your hat to that you you straighten your tie when it drives past this is a car that you almost want to yeah you adjust your collar you want to salute when you see the car but more importantly this is a car from pre-war this is a pre-war car okay at a time of austerity around the world we've just come through the great depression in america there's lots of austerity and we're coming through that and there's a time in there was that period of british craftsmanship when the world was your oyster you can literally go if you think it you can make it happen And this is one of those cars. They took the finest engineers, the finest craftsmen, the finest thoughts that they could gather, and they created what I think is the finest car. Because not only was the 4.5-litre Bentley a great car to begin with, but then to put a blower, a supercharger, on the front of that car to make it go even faster, and the chassis and the technology, the wheels, the tyres, to handle that immense power is something else. And I've driven one. I've had the privilege of driving one. And again, it's one of those tick box moments. You know, most people want to be a national and circle the earth. Me, it was driving a 1929, 1930 Bentley Blower. I did it. The thing is, unfortunately for you, Mark, uh, the days of $100,000 Bentley Blowers are long gone. So fortunately, you're going to be writing probably a seven-figure Check
0: out. Uh, yeah, you know, I know that. I've spent some time around some of these cars. I photographed them. Uh, I got, I've got. i never had the pleasure of driving one, but I've had the pleasure of riding in one. And we've got a couple of them up here in the Northwest, people that own very nice collections. But that's okay, Mike. You know, I want to make your dreams come true. So I've got some buddies. I'm going to make some phone calls. And when you're down here in L.A., I'll uh, drive down the Coast Highway and bring it to you. And uh, you can keep it at your home there in Newport Beach. But, uh wow, you picked an awesome car. I, I'm, I'm so glad you picked that car because they're so, so special. Well, Mike, you have taken me on an awesome ride today. I knew you would, and I've really enjoyed getting to talk to you and share your stories with the Cars you yeah, listeners. I want to thank you for sharing your automotive journey. Could you give us one parting piece of wisdom and guidance before you head off into the sunset in that Bentley blower?
1: Yes, I can. Yeah, as I head to the head to the sunset and the California coast in my Bentley blower, yeah, um, just always be honest, truthful, and kind throughout your life, whoever you're talking to, because it's it makes you a better person. It really does.
0: You know, I can tell our listeners. I reach out to a lot of people. I've had 694 guests here in just over two years. So you can only imagine all the phone calls and contacts I make. And Mike is one of those guys. I thought. Oh, gosh, big TV star. He's never going to respond to me. Responded right away, been easy to communicate with, very honest and open. We put this together in just two days. Here's a guy that walks his talk. Absolutely. What's the best way, again, for our listeners to follow what you're doing? And I also want to remind them, uh, if you're anywhere in the Los Angeles area, get over to the Classic Auto Show this weekend. It is a brilliant show.
1: Yeah, if you want to find me, go on to uh, Facebook and Twitter. It's at Mike Brewer or Wheeler Dealer on Twitter. Oh, Mr. Wheeler Dealer on Facebook, sorry. And uh, you'll find me. Um I'm not that hard to find. Send me a message. It's uh, always good to talk to
0: people. Well, and you've got a great website too. So you just type Mike Brewer in Google and you'll find his website. It's fun website, great pictures. I mean, behind the scenes stuff. Really, really fun place to go. So listeners, again, you can find links to everything Mike has shared on his very own show notes page at com slash Mike Brewer. Just type Mike in the search bar and that page will pop up. Hey, Mike, thanks for spending some time with me. Today, uh, thanks for being so generous with your time and sharing your expertise and your experiences with the Cars Yow listeners. Until we talk again, I'll see you down the road.
1: Well, Mark, as long as you're my passenger as we're driving off down the road, I'm going to send you a virtual hug, Mark. It's been <laughs> fantastic to talk to you. Thank you to all the listeners. Uh, keep in touch.
0: I will. Absolutely. Absolutely. Take care.
1: It's a pleasure, Mark. No worries.